Thanks for joining us on Fresh Faith. We're excited to bring you a special season of the podcast. Ron and former Pittsburgh Steeler Tunch Ogan have worked alongside one another for years. You may remember Tunch on some previous episodes of the podcast. A while back, they teamed up to do a special series on the Journey Radio called Biblical Manhood. This series has been one of the most well-received series, and so we knew we just had to bring it to you on the podcast. Three types of anger desire to have you. They crouch at your door seeking entrance to your soul and your families. Thanks for joining us today on the podcast, Fresh Faith. Ron Moore and Tunch Oaken give you a peek at these manifestations of anger. Look at them, know them, so that you can keep them outside. Thank you for joining us on the journey. We're involved in a series focusing on the real issues of real men. And joining me for these segments is Tunch Oaken pastor of men's ministry at the Bible Chapel in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, sought-after speaker around the country. Tunch, you're a former NFL Pro Bowler, 13 seasons Steelers, one season Green Bay Packers. Now, a lot of times you hear announcers talk about players playing angry. Yes, in yes. fact, sometimes you hear that from players. Right. You have to play angry. Yeah. And you see that it's a violent game. Right. And you come to the point where you say, yeah, if they're going to play, you've got to have some pretty high emotions going right. there. Talk about that. Do you have to yeah. play angry when you play football? Well, well, I think there's an intensity. Yeah, you know what? I did play angry. And the way you play angry is you talk yourself into, you know, it's us against them, and you kind of play mind games really with yourself. And sometimes the anger is real. Sometimes maybe the guy you played against this week had his way with you the last time you guys played, or maybe he took a cheap shot at one of your buddies. You know, I never forget in the late 80s, we played the Houston Oilers, and that was during the Jerry Glanville days. And we felt that the Houston Oilers were taking cheap shots at our guys. And we got into a big brawl in the middle of the field. And even Chuck Knoll and Jerry Glanville got into it at the handshake at the end of the game. And there's this animosity that we had with one another to the point of taking extra shots. So, yeah, there there's a very real anger that happens within the context of this game that is played with a, a lot of intensity. Look, everyone that walks on a football field knows what they've signed up for. It's not like, gee, I didn't realize it was going to be that intense. You know what took so So there is this intensity. It's a violent game. It's a, it's a collision game. And sometimes you have that mindset. You've got to have that very, very physical, tough intensity. I mean, I think that's the word I think that I keep coming back at intensity. And sometimes it can get over the line if you allow yourself to get caught up in the emotion of the moment. So I've read stories about Michael Jordan who right. would say he played right. with that high intensity. Right. He said played angry. Jerry West, if you've ever read about Jerry West, a great Laker, mm-hmm. he said every game he played, he played angry. And he would even lay at, uh, awake at night, couldn't go to sleep. Right. He said if he couldn't make himself get fired up for the game, as he was walking on the court, he would brush up against someone right. and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you. I'm going to go after you. So some guys do that for competitive edge, and right. men are competitive. Right. And guys out there in business listening, right. I mean, they're competitive. They right. want to make the sale. They, they're going to do what they need to do. Right. And you do have to have an intensity right. to do life in some instances, certainly play football. Now, it's one thing to play angry. Right. It's another thing to live angry. Mm-hmm. How do men move from the competitive nature that we have right. and not allow that to really be a, an issue with anger in our lives. Well, I think that's where it becomes a discipline. One of the things that I used to say 
during my playing days, one of the reasons I love football is that you get to do on the football field what you would get thrown in jail for if you did on the street. <laughs> and so there's this, there's this. You're a thug. Yeah. I mean, so there's. Um, Don't choke the former and that, that's right, that, that's the former right. pastor. He is a pastor. <laughs> and, you know, you know there, the, and, and the thing about that, and Ron, you know, you know what I'm talking about, that there is this release you know, in our show on addictions, we were talking about the release of dopamines through drugs and through pornography and even affairs. There's a release of dopamines through anger. And when you're angry and you just kind of go, there is this feeling that comes as a result of it when you come down of kind of this well-being. And, and I think the difference becomes that when the football game's over, sticking with the football analogy, when the football game's over, it's over. And uh, whatever happened, through that 60 minutes, it's done. And the guys that manage that well, the difference between living angry and playing angry, understand that that part is over with. I'm done, it's time to move on. And, you know, One of the things that I can honestly say about my football career, as angry as I've been at guys on the football field, in 14 years, there were only two instances, two instances when someone that I was very, very angry at, I didn't seek out to shake their hand and say, well done, mm -hmm. and let in. There's, there's only twice in those 14 years and out of the 200 or whatever games I played in that I didn't go on and say, it's, all right, it's done. It's behind me. In the Old Testament, there are eight Hebrew words to describe the emotion of anger. There's one Hebrew word that means to foam at the mouth. Uh, there's another I've done one. That. I've done, done that. Yeah. <laughs> A storming rage. I've done that. There's one heat fury. There's one uh, word, Sharon, that means to burn with anger. The most common one is the Hebrew word off, and it literally means nose, nostrils, or face. Mm -hmm. And it's the picture of what the word represents. And you think about that, a picture of flared nostrils, mm -hmm. a bull that's yeah. a raging bull. That should be a movie about that. That's it. Heavy breathing, right. hardened facial expressions. So anger is not only ugly on the outside, but it's ugly on the inside as well. And we've talked about some of these things. Envy, it comes across as envy. It never works alone. So you've got envy with it or jealousy or pride or bitterness or injustice. And, and Tunch, I want to talk about this just for a second. What makes this such a dangerous emotion is anger not only comes up from the things that happen to us today or tomorrow, but an emotion can arise from something that happened in the past right. just like that. And we're angry about something that happened 30 years ago. Oh, you know... Ron, that is so true. I can go back to a coach that I had been wronged by 30 years ago, 40 years ago, and I can get right back to that point. And for me, normally the anger stems from pride, that I feel that I was disrespected. I feel that uh, my pride was injured, and I want to go back there. You know, even a game that I might have played bad or a guy that cheap-shotted me, and I let it go, you know what I mean? And, and I didn't retaliate, and I, and I was looking for another opportunity, and that opportunity never came. Or a coach that I felt might have uh, humiliated me in front of other players and dressed me down, and I can go back to that point and relive it all over again and, and feel the anger uh, rising up uh, inside me. Well, I played uh, baseball, small college, and when I was trying to get a scholarship to play, I played American Legion team. And uh, I'll never forget, I was playing, you know, baseball, you can 
get hot and you can go in slumps. And so I was having a great time. Batting average was good the whole bit. And this coach benched me uh -huh. for whatever reason and would never tell me. And I went and talked to him and tried to approach it. And when I think about that issue, these many, many, many years later, I still like to go punch that guy. Yeah. I mean, the anger comes back. And, and, and it scares me that something that happened, and, and I could tell some stories that didn't happen so long ago. We both have some yeah. coaches. A anger is one of my, I'm, I'm, I've got a lot of them. <laughs> but it's amazing, isn't it, yeah. how fast it can come back. Now, to be fair, sometimes we can move into passivity. Right. And there are times when we need to be angry. Ephesians 4 says, in your anger, do not sin. So you can be angry and not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't give the devil a foothold. So let's talk about anger in a positive way, some positive examples of anger. One is Exodus chapter 32. Moses is on uh, Mount Sinai. He's receiving the Ten Commandments. He heads back down. The people are dancing around a golden right. calf. And he was so angry mm -hmm. that he took the tablets. I always think about that. He took these tablets that God had written on. He throws them on the ground. They break to pieces. Mm -hmm. Exodus 32 says, Moses saw the people were running wild and Aaron had let them get out of control and they'd become a laughing stock to their enemies. And Moses was angry that God was being mocked. Right. And we need to have that right. when God's being mocked around us. Our emotions should be stirred when we see things that could cause people to laugh at God. Right. There is a righteous indignation when we see God mocked or God's people wronged. You know, one of the ways I think that it always hits me is how Christians are portrayed and God is portrayed in the media. You know, they always go interview the most whacked out guy and say, well, now there's the Christian perspective, yeah, you know what I mean? And yeah. so there's this, wait, wait a second. Or they use hate and we'll use a guy who has this tremendous hate for everybody. So that's kind of one of the areas where I really feel it well up yeah. inside me. And I feel like something needs to be said. And so there are times when we need mm -hmm. uh, not to sin, but to um, be indignant of what's going on. Another one, uh, Nehemiah. I mean, you look at Nehemiah, there's sometimes he got pretty right. ticked off at some people. One time he found the Jewish leaders extorting money from the poor and putting them into poverty and slavery. Nehemiah 5, 6, when I heard their outcry and these charges, I was very angry. Mm -hmm. That word there means to burn with anger. Now he didn't sin, but he took care of the problem. Right. So there's appropriate anger sometimes when we see injustice, when right. we see things going on around us that just shouldn't be happening. Right. Let me read this, uh, Mark chapter 3, 1 through 5. Another time, Jesus went to the synagogue, and a man was there with a shriveled hand. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. He didn't want anyone to miss right. what he was going to do. And then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger. This is Jesus. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Now, in that case, Jesus was angry. He looked at them in anger. It's right there in scripture. He looked at them in anger. He was angry that their legalism was trumping, healing a person on the Sabbath. So we should be angry mm -hmm. when people are being kept from faith or they're imprisoned by legalism, or they're lulled into a spiritual stupor by a watered-down message. Mm -hmm. When the gospel is being hindered, we should have some passion about that. Right, and or when 
uh, God is being mocked directly in our presence. You know, I'll never forget, we were doing our show when the subject of Tim Tebow came up. And you talk about a polarizing uh, yeah. figure. And a guy called up and in a very mocking way said, when Tebow got sacked, was that Jesus's fault that he missed the block? And in my first impulse was to be angry, but it also gave me an opportunity to, to share Tebow's act of worship is really an expression of thanksgiving. Uh, but my initial response was, I can't let this go. This has got to be explained. And so uh, I, and I think that's a great point. You know, Jesus was also angry when he uh, emptied the money changers out of the temple that uh, you have turned the house of God into a den of thieves. And so, you know, anytime that God is mocked, we should be angry. It's amazing, isn't it? A lot of times our anger is against situations that don't amount to a hill of beans. Right. The most intense anger is actually. Yeah. yeah. And then the things we should be anger at, right. we're passive about. Yeah. Right. Three types of anger. First, there's obviously expressed anger. Outbursts, slamming doors, fist pounding, things thrown, destructive. Uh, Proverbs 14, 29 says, whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Mm -hmm. Tunch, I'll never forget sitting on the back deck with my son, and I can't even remember the situation. I think he had gotten a grade he shouldn't have gotten, or I didn't feel like he was trying hard enough in the sport. I, I you know, certain, I'm sure very important at the time, I thought. Mm -hmm. And so I was very angry with him. I turned around, and we have a sliding door that goes into the house, and I grabbed the door and pulled it so hard that the door actually came out of the hinges. Mm -hmm. And I'm there standing, holding this 150-pound you know, door. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, a quick-tempered man displays folly. Right. Whatever my son had done didn't equate to what I had just done. Right. So we have to be we all have to be careful. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know how many times I've had to ask forgiveness from my children because, you know, I've overreacted when disciplining them. And I think one of the greatest things someone once told me, actually was a counselor, is that the key to effective discipline is to not discipline out of anger. And uh, I remember one time I grabbed one of my sons and threw him against the wall, and I felt horrible. I mean, I just felt so horrible that I could heat up that quickly and react in that way. See, I never broke doors or anything because I knew I had to fix them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, again, like I said, it was folly. <laughs> um, Genesis chapter 4, then the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching oh, at your door. That is a great, great verse. It desires to have you. You must rule over it. And anger is something that is crouching at our door. We have to rule over it. Yeah, and you know, the thing about anger, too, is you can get into a pattern of anger in your youth. And a lot of times anger, because of the way we're talking about it, it's used in sports and it's used in competition, when you are effective, you know, we applaud Michael Jordan. We applaud Jerry West. We applauded guys that, you know, you know, mean Joe Green and Dick Butkus. And the thing about it is that when you get the attaboys for that anger manifesting itself in sport and seeing success out of it, and then there's this physiological thing that happens in that kind of expressed rage, it can get a hold of you if you allow it, and it can continue from the athletic field 
into a lifestyle and now you, you have a real issue, now you have a real problem and now you start blowing up all these relationships because it becomes anger that is uncontrolled. You know, I uh, get a little cynical sometime at the NFL because with all this stuff going on with the uh, lawsuits and the right. head injury, and again, it's a violent game. What makes the top 10 plays of the oh, week no. on ESPN when someone gets jacked up? That's right. I laugh when Goodell finds a guy and then you walk into the stadium or you're seeing these great hits. I mean, it is the nature of the game. So to your point, expressed anger in childhood or whatever just carries on. So as parents, we may need to get our kids counseling. We right. may need to go. And we need to understand that if we're modeling anger, our children will yeah. also model Guess anger. Guess what? Yeah. Not only is there um, expressed anger, but also anger that's suppressed. We harbor it inside. Shows up jealousy, envy, bitterness, resentment. Jonah goes to the Ninevites. Didn't want to go. He didn't want to go because they were such a wicked people. They wallpapered their caves with skin. I mean, they were wicked people. And Jonah said, if I go and preach to them, you're going to show compassion. I don't want them saved. And God did show his compassion. Right. He went after he was swallowed by the fish. And Jonah 4.1, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, that God showed his compassion. And he became angry. And we always think of Jonah as this great prophet, and certainly he, he was. But the last recorded words of Jonah, God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be so angry about the plant? And Jonah said, it is. I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. His last words. Wow. And he's not acting it out now, but the suppressed anger, I wish I were dead. And here's the destructive nature of suppressed anger. Not to say one's better than the other, but with explosive anger, with an outburst of anger, the anger usually is gone. Suppressed anger smolders and it becomes bitter. I forget who said it, that bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping the guy that you are bitter towards dies. Yeah. And it can consume you. Holding on to that kind of anger, holding to that kind of bitterness can consume you to the point where you are both jailer and inmate at the same time. Frederick Buechner writes this. He says, of all the seven deadly sins, anger is possibly the most fun. To lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue at the prospect of bitter confrontation still yet to come, to savor to the last toothsome morsel both the pain you are given and the pain you are giving back in many ways is a feast fit for a king. The chief drawback is that what you are wolfing down is yourself. Right. The skeleton at the feast is you. You know, the interesting thing about that is that we talk about guys that deal with sexual fantasy. Mm -hmm. There is a ton of anger fantasy, fantasy going on. Yeah. I mean, how many times have you, well, you probably have, and you're a pastor and all, mm -hmm. but how many times have you replayed or fantasized about the next time you see this guy, you are just going to blast yeah. him and you are going to do this. And when you've been wronged by someone, you entertain this fantasy about how you're going to get even. And he is right. It's like a you lick your lips and you relish it. And a lot of times when I've done that, I've caught myself doing it and I'm going, I'm having a conversation with nobody. <laughs> I am having this conversation in my brain. And sometimes even during prayer. And I'm like, going, oh my goodness, I'm praying and I'm having this conversation with a guy and my body chemistry changes, my temperature elevates. And I'm going, oh, you're such an idiot, Touch. <laughs> I've said I run Monday through Friday and I try to use it for a prayer time. Right. But there was a period of time when I 
felt like my son was getting shortchanged by a coach. Right. And every day I'm running, I'm having an argument with this guy. I'm trying to figure out how to put him down. And I'm thinking to myself, here I am, wasting all this energy. This guy's not thinking about me. He doesn't care about he me. He doesn't even know you're mad <laughs> at him. He doesn't even know I exist. Or if he does, he doesn't care. <laughs> uh, but yeah, suppressed anger. Transferred anger. Transferring anger to those around us. Now, sometimes we're angry, and so we want everyone else around us to be angry. Right. So sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's causing others to be angry like our children. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord, Ephesians 6, 4, Colossians 3, 21. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they'll become discouraged. So sometimes we're angry. We want everyone else to be angry. Right. Sometimes we do things that embitter or exasperate or cause our children to be angry. Right. Or sometimes we come home, we're mad at something else or somebody else, and we take it out on those that are around us. I hate when I've done that in the past. When I've been angry about something, I've come home and I've yelled at the kids and I've caught myself and I'm going, what are you yelling at them for? They didn't do anything. I call my kids and I go, look, guys, I'm sorry. I'm, I don't know why I got mad at you. I had no business getting mad at you. But it's kind of funny how it causes you to transfer. It's something you don't normally think about until you catch yourself doing it. Touch And we've said this throughout, but just to say it straight out, you've mentioned it, I've mentioned it, and I know I did it. I can't count the number of times. Asking our kids forgiveness. Right. Right. You know, if you're a dad out there and you're not doing that, man, just drop your pride and go to your kids and say, man, I just screwed up. I am so far from perfect. It's not even funny. And right. you just saw that. And I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry I took that out on you. I'm sorry I responded in a certain way. You know, it reminds me of a story. I was coaching youth football and we had a kid that was always goofing around, always acting up. And this one time he and another kid were kind of wrestling. I really came down on the one kid. And he said, oh, but I didn't do anything. And I said something like, you never do anything. You're always in the right. And I really yelled at him in front of the rest of the kids. And then as I was leaving, I kind of replayed what had just happened in my mind. As I was thinking about it, I was going, I really think he wasn't the one that was at fault. And that haunted me all night. And I couldn't wait till practice the next day. And I yelled at him in front of everyone, so I felt that I had to apologize in front of everyone. And I said, I yelled at so-and-so yesterday, and buddy, I am sorry, I was wrong. You weren't messing up. Please forgive me. And I remember when I was getting ready to do that, I didn't want to do it. I didn't, number one, I didn't want to admit I was wrong. Yeah. Number two, I was thinking, I wanted to take the easy way out, the cards way out. Oh, he'll forget about it, and it'll be, I'll just be nice to him. But that's not what the Lord had in mind, and my heart was really convicted to ask for his forgiveness in front of the entire team. And so I did that, and I was done. I felt a lot better because I knew that I was in the wrong. But at the banquet that year, his father went up to Sharon and said, one of the most impactful things that happened to his son that year was when I apologized to him. Mm. I would have never thought that. I would have just thought it was for me that I needed to apologize. So, you know, whether it's our children, whether it's our wives, whether it's our friends or neighbors, it's hard to ask forgiveness in a situation, especially yeah. when anger is at the root of how we wrong people. But it has a tremendous impact. You made a critical point there. If you've sinned in front of a group of people, right. or if you say something you shouldn't say to one person in a group, mm -hmm. you need to apologize to the whole group. Just apologize to that person. That's good. But other people don't see that. Right. And I'll never forget, growing up, my dad had said something to my mom, and I, I don't remember what he said. 
and had hurt her feelings or whatever. And he came back the next day and called us together and apologized in front of us. That made a huge impact on me. He just didn't go apologize to her, but he apologized to her in front of us and to us. Yeah. And it's critical stuff. You yeah. did that, and that had tremendous impact right. on that kid. And I've probably blown it and gotten angry and not apologized, too. I've probably made that mistake. Well, I've talked to several people that <laughs> have not appreciated. You know, still, i got a list of people <laughs> you need to call. Oh, yeah, let me apologize. know, let me know. <laughs> call the congregation together. I'll just do a, give a public apology. Dealing with anger. Here, four things here. First of all, submitting to the Spirit's control. Do not be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5.18. Don't be controlled by an outward substance. Don't be controlled by an emotion. Mm -hmm. Instead, be controlled by the Spirit of God that lives within you. And again, that word filled is in a tense that means you keep doing it over and over and over. It's not like, I want to be filled by the Spirit today, and that's it, amen. It's, God, I need to be controlled in this situation. I know in this situation, I'm going to talk to someone today, and I can feel myself getting worked up about it right now. Please control me. Don't let me lash out. Don't let me become angry. Control every aspect of my life. And the more I'm saturated with the Word and the Spirit, as the Spirit of God lives in me, I've got to realize if I just say, well, I'm not going to be angry, well, well, that's not going to get it. It's through the Spirit. And to be willing to, you know, I had a brother one time say to me a long time ago during our football days, he said, you seem to think that anger is okay. And he said, it's not. And I remember it was very convicting because, as you point out, you know, we talked about it, played with anger. And because of the culture that I grew up in and the attaboys that I got out of it, the thought of anger being wrong was not in my way of thinking. And it took a brother to say, hey, touch, don't fool yourself. Your anger is just as bad as lusting after a woman. You tend to separate those things. And it was kind of like a wow moment. You're, yeah. You know, you're right. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Self -control, yeah. Guys are competitive. We've played basketball against each other. We played floor hockey where right. you almost killed the guy behind the camera. <laughs> Simon took a cheap shot. That was a cheap you, shot. You know, you keep bringing that up that to me. That was a cheap I'm shot. Even, you made it seem like I was trying to hurt him. I was trying to score a goal. It, we had time out. It was not time out. <laughs> Simon was looking at the birds. Please forgive me, Simon. <laughs> I, I was not angry and I was not trying to hurt you, but please uh, uh, please forgive me. Thanks, brother. He so, just gave me the thumbs up. So you can be competitive yeah, that's right. and still be self-controlled. Right. And I think that's something we need to teach our kids. Mm -hmm. You can be competitive. You can leave it all on the field. You can give 100%. You can work hard. You can play hard mm -hmm. and still do it in a way that honors God. Right. That's important. Yeah, it is important. You know what? There's a lot of great examples of it. I mean, Donnie Shell was a guy who loved the Lord, Steelers, strong safety, human torpedo. He would hit anything. There was an intensity about him that scared opponents. But he had a love for Christ, and his intensity was really the way he displayed his love for Jesus. There was no anger. There was not malice. Even when he knocked out Earl Campbell with that shot where he broke two of his ribs, it was just playing physical football. Of course, he did pray over him as he stood over him. <laughs> Gee, oh, that looked like it hurt. I'm praying, bro. So deal with anger. Submit to the Spirit's control. Deal with anger daily. This is something that we have to deal with on a daily basis. Ephesians 4, 26, 27. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Now, I used to think that literally meant don't let the sun go down while you're still angry and 
if you're having an issue with your wife, and Laura and I would have been up for days, <laughs> never gone to sleep right. dealing with the issue. But the point is here, don't allow anger to fester. Deal with it consistently. Here's one, Tunch. Stay away from angry people. Yeah. Anger breeds anger. How often have you got into this dialogue with someone you're mad at and that person's mad and you're kind of, you know, then you yeah. feed off each other's anger. You know, quick story, we were getting ready to play with the Oilers after, uh, you know, I shared earlier that there was cheap shots. And I, I'll never forget Wednesday as we're preparing to play the Oilers the second time that season after the fights. And I'm ashamed to say, I'm the one that initiated, we're not going to take this. We're gonna, and then everybody was, we're going to kick. You know, it got really heated in a meeting before a Wednesday practice. It wasn't even a game. <laughs> and it was just funny how that little spark that I just threw out there, and there was this kind of unresolved anger in that meeting room just turned into a force fire. And that was for football. But that can also happen in everyday life if we allow it. Did you guys beat them? Yeah, we did. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you what I said. Sometimes it, yeah. it works better than others. We beat them in the playoffs. It was during the House of Pain. Gary Anderson kicks a field goal in overtime, and we end up winning in the wild card round. And they'd beat us twice in the regular okay. season. That was during all those fights. And House of Pain, and I was standing over a couple of those guys going, House of Pain, baby, how bad does it hurt? <laughs> so I'm ashamed to say I, I relished that. The fire. I fueled the fire. Proverbs 22, 24 through 25 says, Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one who is easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. If you hang out with someone who is angry, you're going to get yourself ensnared in their anger and some of their antics maybe as well. An angry person stirs up conflict, and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. Proverbs 29, 22. Submit to the Spirit's control. Deal with your anger daily. Stay away from angry people. And stay with people who will hold you accountable to your anger. Yeah. I think that was very evident in my life that a brother years ago really challenged me to get a hold of my anger. And for me, it wasn't that I couldn't control it. It was that I chose not to control it. Yeah. And as soon as it was pointed out to me, I realized that, wait a second, I was celebrating my own anger. And guys would make jokes of it. And so we would kind of laugh at it. it was during my football playing days and I realized that I needed to keep it in check and I needed to quit making light of it and quit celebrating it I used to always say that inappropriate behavior would hide itself very well within the confines of the National Football League but when you start realizing and it starts affecting another part of your life you've got to realize that that is something that you need to get in check right again submit to the spirit's control deal with anger daily stay away from angry people Surround yourself with people who are going to hold you accountable. And the last one is, you know, you may need to get some Christian counseling. Right. A lot of guys say, I don't, man, I, you know, if I go to Christian counseling, then I got to admit I'm screwed up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we all are screwed up. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Proverbs 15, 22. You need to get a good Christian counselor who will speak truth into you, a third party, mm -hmm. and get the help you need. You know, it's funny, Ron, that we have no trouble going to a doctor if we've got an elevated heartbeat or high cholesterol or cancer. Why does such a stigma come with counseling? I'm a firm believer in counseling. I've been through it myself. I have uh, counseled guys to go to counseling whenever I'm counseling a guy that I'm not equipped to deal with, but I know a guy who's really, really good. And I would not shy away from that for one second. Such a story goes about 
Alexander, when he was 20 years old, 336 BC, he took over the throne of Macedonia after his father Philip was assassinated. And within two years, he had embarked on this campaign of world conquest. He had 30,000 foot soldiers and 5,000 cavalrymen, a small group but very efficient. And in his first engagement, he routed the Persians, despite being outnumbered 13 to 1 in a tough group. After an eight-year campaign, Alexander, now Alexander the Great, 28 years old, had conquered the known world. But he couldn't conquer his anger. And on one occasion, Cletus, a lifelong friend and a general in his army, insulted Alexander in front of the men. And uh, he couldn't handle it. And he was enraged, and he hurled a spear at Cletus, intending just to scare him. But he struck Cletus, and he killed his lifelong friend. And they say that Alexander the Great conquered the world, couldn't conquer his anger, regretted that the rest of his life. So this God-given emotion of anger can be used for good, should be used for good, but we have to control it if we're going to do the things that God has for us to do. When it controls us, anger becomes a spear-throwing emotion. When we allow God to use a passion, we can do some great things for Him. Well, Tanch, I really appreciate you joining us here. It's been a lot of fun. It has been fun. Going through the real issues for real men. And we just thank you so much for coming, and we're going to do this again. And we thank all those who are listening, and uh, be sure to go to our website, ronmore.org, and give us some feedback, get some resources. And uh, as always, we want to thank you for joining us on the journey. 